2: Welcome to another Mother Runner. This is Sarah Bowen Shea. I'm joined today by Dimity McDowell. Hello, Dimity. Hello. Here, here with my bunions and all. <laughs> spoiler alert. Yeah, spoiler alert. We're talking about the sexy topic of bunions today. <laughs> I just wanted to let you know they showed up to the party as well. They didn't they didn't stay in bed. <laughs> excellent, excellent. Well, I adore our guests, so I am very much looking forward to this conversation. But um you and I were gonna see each other IRL. Very soon, next week. IRL, I know in Redmond, Oregon. Looking Mm. forward to it. Mm -hmm. It's going to be great. Our retreat and in the high desert of Oregon. Tim, have you? You've been to Bend, right? Which is near Redmond, or no? You know, I maybe. I don't know (laughs) because I know the first time I ever went to Bend was on a press trip, a Nike press trip, and I'm just trying to remember if you were on it or not. Where
1: does the Hood to Coast end?
2: No, it ends at the coast, it ends out at Seaside, Oregon, and it starts near Hood River, it starts at Timberline Lodge. Yeah. As far as I remember, I've never been to Bend. Oh, okay. All right. Well, the high desert is just supremely lovely. And our host hotel, oh my gosh, you're never going to want to leave your room practically. It's so tranquil and, you know, has kind of milky white walls and white linens. And, oh, it's just really stupendous. Ah, so, can't yes. wait. Can't and, wait. And your favorite lots of hiking.
1: We're going to hike, we're going to hike eight miles together. That is, I am the group leader. I'll, I'll hold the balloon or hold the umbrella at the front. (laughs) Don't lose me. Um, yeah, no, it's going to be fun. Um, it's going to be really great. We, it's a different, uh, Different vibe, right? Mm-hmm. Usually yeah. we have a race, but we mm-hmm. decided to switch it up a little bit and do a little bit more kind of outdoor adventure, mm-hmm. including, Sarah, you want to talk about the, the boating? Yes,
2: the canoeing. <laughs> on a <of> yacht? Yes, <laughs> yes. No, we're not going out with Jeff Bezos and his new fiancée. I was about to say, Jeff Bezos yacht, Yeah, <laughs> We both listened to the same NPR story. Uh, and, uh, so, yes, so we're going canoeing and on a high Alpine Lake, so super clear water. One of them, it de- sort of depends on where we'll go, is based on the weather and how much snowmelt there's been. And one of them could be in the caldera of a volcano. Of a, caldera? A, I don't even know what that word is, Sarah. Oh, it's the part of a volcano, a, a volcano that has erupted that is the the crater like, that is left. Like the lip part? No, the inside the lip, the crater part. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Yeah. 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 So to me, the lip would be the perimeter of it. So yeah. Um, yeah. So it's basically, like the lip is the yeah, like it's the edge, and then we're going in the little
1: bowl. That's mm-hmm. what the caldera is. Mm-hmm. Oh wow. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I'm pull so, that. Pull yeah. that
1: out. That twenty-five <laughs> cent vocab word.
2: <laughs> I mean, Crater Lake here in Oregon is probably oh, um, the best uh, known. Crater
1: Lake. <laughs> <I've> never. <laughs> never put that together. Well, I always think of a volcano like a mountain. Like I always feel like it's like something. And I realize that, like that, it it's really tall, you mm-hmm. know. Mm-hmm. But I guess it must be. I mean, you have to climb up to Crater Lake, but it can't be that. T- I don't know. I, well, I guess so I just cr- need to crater, see the land. And Crater to, Lake
2: is, which we are, for the record, we are not going to Crater Lake because that's um, more in Southern Oregon, but are on the way to Southern Oregon. It's not too far from Bend, actually. But anyway, Crater Lake is only fed by rainwater. There is there are no tributaries into it, and none coming out of it.
1: So huh. that's kind so of... So it uh, really is a bowl.
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So it's uh, rain and snow melt and snow, I guess, that falls onto it. So... Yeah. I was about to say, But the snow melt couldn't because th- that would be a river. Uh, Well, right. But uh, I mean, the, the snow that falls on the sides then goes into the, you know, melts down into it. Yes. But so nothing's feeding it. But anyway, so, but there are other such lakes that probably might be, I don't know if they're spring fed or not, but so, yes. So one of the two lake choices could possibly be um, in a volcano. Yes.
1: (laughs) (laughs) And um, I mean, is this something that we could like jump in or is it going to be just wicked, wicked cold?
2: It's going to be super chilly, but you know me and water, I'm I'm going in for sure. Yeah, like, yeah. I think it, I'm going to bring my suit
1: because I love, I mean, I love getting in cold water.
2: I oh, it. adore it. Oh my gosh. And I have started yeah. my uh, mainly taking just lukewarm showers that then get progressively colder during the you know three to four minutes that I'm in there. But I, oh goodness, I love just finishing with really cold water in a shower oh my this God. time of year. Well,
1: Sarah, we just did that challenge in Many Happy Miles. That was our challenge in May is to turn, to take a plunge. I mean, that's so funny. Yeah, we (laughs) turn it down and try to like hang in there for... I mean, like 30 seconds, a minute, like whatever feels good, you know? Oh, I love it. I love
2: it. Yes. So, well, so you know, I've been, I've been open water swimming three times this year, and I was afraid that I wouldn't get in the pond until June because we had such a stinking cold, wet winter and spring, like I know you did out there in Denver.
0: Mm. And
2: the first time Molly and I went and we're like, mm, it feels too warm. But then I went on Sunday and it felt too just deliciously kind of a little perfect This temp. side of chili. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 So it was quite good. Yeah. So I'm quite excited for our retreat. It'll be a bit bittersweet because we just announced that we are taking a hiatus from retreats in 2024. So we have this retreat and then we have Hilton Head, November 3rd through 6th, um, off the coast of South Carolina. This will be our third time going back there. So we know that it is stupendous. And so folks, if you've listened to us talk about retreats ad nauseum here on this podcast <laughs> and thought, boy, oh, I always want to go to one, well, that's the one to go to because uh, we don't know when our next one after that is going to be. So um, definitely look for it on anothermotherrunner.com under events and um, read about and sign up because get it while the getting is good. Sure, so, sure. Yeah, absolutely. Yes, yes, yes. yes. Well, as Dimity said earlier, we're talking about bunions today, and our guest is Amy Benton, a doctor of physical therapy and co-owner of Prime Performance Physical Therapy here in Portland. In full disclosure, I originally met Amy when my 17-year-old son, John, started seeing her for some issues he had, as Amy is known as the preeminent physical therapist for dancers here in Portland. Amy herself was a professional dancer before becoming a physical therapist, and now she works with a variety of female athletes, as well as you know, a few, a few male ones as well. Amy is also the mother of two school-age kids, as well as a runner, and she's joined us to talk primarily about that super sexy topic of bunions. So thanks so much for joining us, Amy.
3: I'm excited to be here. Thank you.
2: Yeah, yeah. So before we talk about your running and then feet problems, you got to share with us about your dance background, especially the part where you were performing on silks suspended from trees while pregnant.
3: <laughs> yeah. So grew up dancing and decided to go to college as a dance major and continue that training and then moved to Boston became a professional dancer in a local company touring throughout New England i wanted a liberal arts education as well as a dance career so i cobbled together both burning mm-hmm. the candles at both ends in life but it was a ton of fun uh finished my degree Uh, doctorate in physical therapy from Simmons, and then headed back to the West Coast and hit Portland and had to decide which companies I was going to dance with. And an aerial company said, well, if you dance with us, we'll train you on the silks. So my aerial career began, spent four seasons with AWOL, uh, aerial without limits, dance company here in Portland. And, you know, the fourth season I was wearing this very tight purple shiny unitard (laughs) and working on a piece. And I became, you know, pretty tired and uh, my purple uniform got tighter and tighter (laughs) just feeling (laughs) more like a grape than a dancer (laughs) and i went to the doctor and i was like it's gotta be my thyroid you know i hear that this is a thing it slows down you gain weight you're tired and she ran some tests and she's like no 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 you're you're pregnant (laughs) and the show was you know two weeks away so Mm. i found that i was six weeks along. And decided, okay, well, let's just do this. And I'll bring my baby with me into the air, into those motions. And so I performed, you know, rigged high in the air with no mats. Um, but I finished out that, that show and it felt wonderful. And then I could put dancing on the shelf for a little bit while I started a family. Mm. Nice. Mm.
1: Did you ever get, um, did, was like morning sickness a thing when you were pregnant?
3: Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, nothing too crazy. Going
1: upside down in the silks with with that, like, because I kind of get a little, uh, you know, get that, like, even on a swing set, you know, you get that little, like, flutter in your belly, you know, I'm like, I don't know if I can do that when I'm pregnant.
3: Oh, absolutely. The vestibular system, the inner ear system is the most highly trainable system of the body. So, (laughs) you know, for years, we worked on spinning tolerance and being able to be in X, Y, and Z planes. In the air while spinning, so my bandwidth for spinning and turning and twisting was really high at that stage, which maybe helped <laughs> with the morning sickness. <laughs> there you go. All right, I love it that
1: you have an explanation, like your vestibular system. I love that. All right. Well, so um, so you get out of the silks and you hit the pavement. Tell us a little bit about your running.
3: Yeah. So I picked running up after working the Boston Marathon medical tent. Mm. I was in Boston for seven years, uh, going through undergrad and then grad and then doctorate. And I was inspired by these amazing people, both recreation and professional, um, that ran the Boston Marathon, just their endurance and their intensity and their love for the sport. So I was healing from a hip injury and decided to cross-train from my my dancing, cross-train with running. And I just fell in love with it, the freedom of it. It's so easy right at your doorstep. I was in Boston at the time, so running about around Fenway Park. And I got to see the city really quickly, right? It sped up my uh, adventure with it. <laughs> and, you know, one mile became three or four, five or six, and did a few 5Ks here and there, but really love to run. It's just freedom.
1: Totally. Um, And so it sounds like you kind of always knew that you wanted to be a physical therapist, or at least when you got to college. So, So what was interesting about that to you?
3: I had a touched base with PT through my dance training. Dancers, 90%, will have contact with an allied healthcare professional at some point in their training. And so injuries... Found me, you know, a patient of PT, <laughs> and it seemed like a natural progression of a profession. I already knew intrinsically so much about my body through training, sure. and thought that that would be a really great career to either supplement dance or be the second career. Because every dancer has a second career. You can't dance <laughs> forever, and so that was a great fit. I just get to play and dance and move all day with my patients. It's really a labor of love.
2: It does come through in your work, I should say that you and I are working together on some of my back issues as well as a couple other misalignments in my body. And and it's I really enjoy our sessions so much. So you mentioned that you took up running for cross-training to dance. And so before we focus on feet, you know, can you talk about why you strongly advocate cross-training for runners and dancers, the ones you work with as well as yourself?
3: Yeah. Running is a multi-joint sport. But first and foremost, it goes anterior-posterior, unless you are um, training highly on varied ground. So to create balance around the muscles, ligaments, and joints of the body, it's really important to work in all the different planes of the body so that you have balance to the joints for longevity, injury prevention. So often I end up giving my dancers who stand and turn out all day long and are working their joints the same way for hours at a time, runner-based exercises in turned in or a parallel, they'll call it. And I give my runner <laughs> patients more dance-based exercises. Hmm. So they get their hips out of that straight plane movement. So the cross-patterning is really fun to play with, but it ultimately creates balance, longevity of your joints, and variety in movement. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
1: If somebody's listening and they are a five, six day a week runner, what kind of cross training would you recommend for them?
3: Weightlifting, especially as women, is very important. I follow the work of Stacey Sims. So mm-hmm. your targeted um, lower extremity, upper extremity weightlifting twice a week, maybe three times a week, depending on your goals for running, Another type of cardiovascular endurance training, so long, slow distance or HIT workouts, can be an added benefit to create power and cardiovascular longevity. Uh swimming, biking, anything that gets them out of their normal running gait. Tennis, pickleball, I know we have a fan <laughs> in here. <laughs> Oh, and, you know, just throwing around a frisbee, you know, the <laughs> Danish youth play ultimate frisbee first as a way to become athletically inclined because it works on multiple dimensions of the body. You're throwing, you're high, you're low, you're right, you're left, you're everywhere. So it just creates that well-roundedness. So I trying to think about um, what are the different angles that we can put the body through so that everything is, uh, is working as a team. Mm, cool. Cool.
1: All right. Well, let's get down. Speaking of everything working as a team, let's go down to the root, our feet. Just in case you don't know what a bunion is, Amy, can you tell us what a bunion is and how someone would know? I mean... I think it's pretty. I uh, think <laughs> you pretty much know just by looking, but we'll talk about what what it is.
3: Yeah, a bunion is if you were to take a pencil and place it on the top of your big toe on the top of your foot, and if your toe is deviating into the little toes and no longer in that straight line that that pencil holds, you might have the beginning of a bunion, which is where the great toe begins to cave inward or arc towards the little toes. And there's a variety of reasons this happens, but you also begin to get more forces and wear on the outside of that big toe. And when the angle gets to be about 20 degrees, one, you'll notice it by then. And two, we start to have a bony callus that can develop on that big toe knuckle because it's wearing mm-hmm. up against your shoes. And so that can become pretty painful as well as the decreased mobility of that big toe joint to move back into alignment of that pencil alignment.
1: There you go. So there are like baby bunions. I always, I mean, you know, I I have two bigger bunions, but are there some that aren't as pronounced that don't hit that 20 degree angle or is that is that the natural evolution of one?
3: Yeah, it can start out slow and then advance uh-huh. based on shoe wear and training and uh, tightness of the foot and ankle injuries can really set that off if you have an ankle sprain that can change the forces around the ankle and uh, promote that big toe caving in towards the little toe. But the bunionette that (laughs) you were mentioning (laughs) is the pinky toe, the fifth toe can also start to cave in towards the other toes, and you can get uh, a callus or a bone buildup on that, the base of that little toe.
2: So, I had never heard the term bunionette before yesterday when I was writing the notes (laughs) for this show. And so, is that the same as a hammer toe? Because I have both my little toes are hammer toes, and I had unsuccessful surgery on my right little toe when I was in my 20s mm. to try to correct it.
3: Yeah. So bunionette is different than a hammer toe. And hammer toe oh, okay. is when the toe starts to curl under and the mm-hmm. second joint of that toe pops up. Mm-hmm. And so oh, yeah. th- I work with hammer toes all the time. So what I've found is that <laughs> when the foot, you have um, a couple, you've got a ton of muscles in your foot, but there are long flexors and short flexors. So if you do curl your toes, like you're going to pick up a sock with your foot, those Mm -hmm. are your short flexors that curl the toe under. When those are either tight or weak or both, they can pull too much creating that bend in the toe. And then the wear and tear of your shoe on the top of that toe joint can get blisters, redness, pain, swelling. So Mm -hmm. how we go about treating those is we massage and lengthen and work on the short flexors in the bottom of your foot. We massage those out, get them nice and long, mobilize the joints of the toes so that they can move into a position where you have a mechanical advantage for the muscle to work. And then we work on specific exercises to lengthen and strengthen those toes.
0: Mm.
2: Mm. Wow! Sounds like we, we got some work ahead of us, Amy. <laughs> <laughs> I got you. <laughs> can
1: you take, I mean, can you make a hammer toe flat again? Oh yeah. I mean, like take a flat, oh, yeah. oh yeah, like it's no you know, problem. When oh. I was
3: reading through the basic reading the you know, you Google Bunyan, right? And they're like, Okay, here's yeah. here's the things you can do for it. Not one website mentioned physical therapy or strengthening your feet. Oh. I do this all yeah. day, every day. I take Ballerinas that have been squashing their feet in point shoes for ten years, and I can literally get them a different foot shape with specific exercises, hands-on massage, and mobilization. Yeah, you can reverse this stuff. And why is that not wow. a part of the uh, team approach with the the healthcare professionals that see this? So,
0: well, you can reverse I mean, that's, it. that's
1: a bigger question, <laughs> but yeah. I mean, the reason why I wanted to co host this podcast with Sarah is because I had bunion surgery um, back, so I have uh, two kids, one's almost 20. So, my bunion surgery is probably 19 years old. So, what happened? Probably you see this a lot, Amy. My feet spread right with pregnancy yep. um, after my first when I had my first kid and my feet are already quite large and I have trouble finding shoes to begin with. And I was like, oh my gosh, I cannot be a wide as well. And it hurt. My foot really hurt when I was running. And so I went to, you know, I went to the first podiatrist I could find. Um, It was in Santa Fe, so a small, a limited market. And I just expected to come out and have a pencil, like to, to pass the pencil test you were just talking about. And <laughs> that was such not the case. And Oh my gosh! The recovery from that is probably one of the most painful things I can think of. I mean, mm. it was so bad. Mm. So, can you just talk a little bit about why surgery? From what Sarah's told me, you don't really
3: believe in surgery, right? For for bunions, um, there's a time and a place for every procedure, of course. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so I really take a good crack at changing the position of the toes and treating the foot and the ankle and how you use your foot first before I would refer out surgically. And I don't think that that is common knowledge in this space. I think people say, oh, wow, I've got that bunion. I think, you know, the, the only way to fix it is uh, surgically. But there yeah. are some amazing podiatrists here in Portland that I work with that take a more conservative approach and work with the rehab process, especially before. Let's see how good we can get it and get you pain-free and moving and walking before we go into the knife. And then after surgery, why are we not rehabbing these feet that the muscles get smaller? They atrophy. Their line of force has changed because they've moved bones. So we need to re-educate that whole system so that it plays up the chain through your knee, hip, and low back better than you were before. Not just, hey, let's slice and dice and then hope it's you know good. It's it's not yeah. gonna be. So Um, I'm sorry about that experience. That's that's
1: okay. That's okay. I mean, I've learned a lot. I mean, I, I didn't do either. I didn't do anything on either side, but I also didn't know to do that. Right. Like I wasn't, that wasn't an option, you know? So I was like, again, I was looking for, I think what a lot of people look for was just, just like, you know, salvation in a, in a surgery room, (laughs) you know?
3: (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) Well, I hope this inspires other runners and movers to, um, at least try the conservative pathway because it can work. Mm
2: -hmm. What are some of the non-invasive techniques? I mean, I've I've seen some pictures of taping and you posted that Instagram post and showed um, it looked like that woman had some tape on her feet and and you talked about doing um, stretches and strengtheners. What are some of the things that that can work non-surgically?
3: Yeah, absolutely. So mentioned before taking the the tissues of the foot and the ankle and optimizing their pathway. So that's through massage, either hands, tool-assisted, cupping. There's a lot of strategies that we use, Um, mobilizing the joints, making sure each joint, there's 26 bones in the foot, making sure each joint is moving well. And then once the path is cleared for good movement or while the path is being cleared we work on exercises to lengthen and strengthen the toes if that joint needs help with realignment and it's just not anywhere near that pencil test I do use a variety of taping techniques to to aid in the activation of the certain muscles, like there's a muscle on the side of the toe that can pull it outward away from the little toes. And so we, you know, slap on either dynamic tape or kinesio tape to help awaken or get your brain, brain's attention to that big muscle so that you can use that muscle to help pull intrinsically that toe back into alignment. From there, it's really important. So for in regards to the Instagram post, that woman had come to me with an ankle sprain. And Mm. through her rehab of a basic ankle sprain, she couldn't balance on one leg because that toe would keep caving in, pulling her arch Mm. down. She had hip issues because of that. She had Uh, inside knee issues. And so I said, hold up, we got to go back down to that toe. And it's going to take another, you know, maybe a little longer in this rehab process, but let's do this right the first time. And so we went to work on the foot and ankle, massaging, mobilizing, taping, cueing, uh, little teeny toe exercises to big ankle exercises. We do a little bit of all of them. And eventually that toe started to realign because she had some flexibility in that joint that we could play with. And before you know it, she was running pain-free for the first time in 20 years. It was dramatic. It was great. That's so cool.
1: That's so cool. Well, we um, in we have a a membership program here called Many Happy Miles, and we have a physical therapist in there that helps us, gives us kind of a move of the month. And last month was toe yoga. I mean, um, which seems very aligned, right? And yes. I mean, honestly, so it's 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 pretty simple, Amy. I mean, you, I mean, you can probably explain it better than I can, but you basically like push down your big toe, let the other four rise, and then alternate, right? Push down the four and let the other the big toe rise, yes. Using your hands if you need to to manipulate if your toes are stuck like mine are, and holy cow, like my foot was so sore after the first time we demonstrated it. I was like, okay, so this might be something that I need to do a little bit more often. But even just something as basic as that, I mean, we've been doing it pretty regularly, and it it does it. My mean, my foot feels freer and like
3: has more space in it. Oh my gosh, let me add to that. So. The next one I would play with is if you you can start seated, you're gonna uh-huh. put a light theraband around the big toe while you're so the the you wrap the theraband or under the big toe, kind of okay. spread it out so it de- doesn't get too crunched, so it's really on the pad of the toe. Light is like a yellow or red band. Don't mm-hmm. put a, a whole lot of tension on it, but as you're sitting there and you're holding um one strand of the TheraBand in each hand. So you can see your big toe, you've got the tension on it. And if you have any deviation or movement in that big toe joint already towards a bunion, you can use the TheraBand to help place that toe in optimal alignment. And then you're just going to stamp the toe down against the TheraBand, so down onto the ground and hold it. And this creates alignment and it starts to work on the long flexors of that big toe, the ones that plant our foot down, and then we press off of it when we run. So now that you've got the activation or their awareness of the toes and the yoga toe, this starts to build a little bit more a strength of that big toe. So you've got the alignment and the muscle working for you.
1: Yeah, I love. I, I like the idea mm. of stamping it. So like the idea is like you're putting it in the right place and kind of, you know, having some muscle
2: memory there, right? Yeah. Yeah.
1: Mm. Cool. Mm.
2: All right. Well, we got to take a quick break to hear from the folks who allow us to bring you this free content. Please support them like they support us.
0: This episode is brought to you by Saks.com.
2: Okay. So Amy, you're the one who suggested this topic of bunions. And um, as you know, I was, I hadn't, hadn't really met you for more than about 90 seconds when I brought John in. And, uh, I was kind of like skeptical slash skittish. So I was like, okay, how about I ask our Facebook community and ask them whether they think it's a good idea or too gross? And I was kind of shocked by the response. I mean, it was overwhelming. They were like, talk about bunions. So it makes me think that bunions must be super common among women. And are they more prevalent among runners and other active folks? Or is it something that you get regardless of your level of activity?
3: Yeah, apparently 100 million people will deal with bunions it is a wow is a shared experience across the life <laughs> spectrum <laughs> and oh, something so, like, so warm and fuzzy warm and fuzzy uh, we just hide it Why right? hide it in the shoe nobody will see but yeah a third of uh, adults over 65 will have a bunion i mean that's huge numbers uh, we do know there's a genetic component. So, about um, 70% of people with a family history will experience a bunion. But I will say this my grandmother and my mother both had bunions. I was a dancer, stuck my feet in point shoes for 10 plus years in point shoes. But I created a foot posture. Um, that is, I don't have bunions. I think it's that nature versus nurture or nature and nurture that you really, how you use your feet and your body is how it can be built up. So Mm. yeah, sure. It could be genetic, but I think there's things you can do about it and you can fix it and help realign it. But it's a, it's a Mm. popular, popular issue. Yeah.
1: (laughs) Genetics for sure. I will have to say, I think my dad and, and my sisters have them as well. So so, what are some early stage precautions women can take to try to sidestep getting bunions? Like, I mean, obviously, I think heels are an issue. Like, you talked about those pointy shoes.
3: Yeah. You know, wear and tear, right? So, um, wide toe box in your shoes. I have kind of three rules that I send my athletes off when they're looking for new shoes that they have a wide toe box. So use an insole test. They take out the insole of the shoe, they put it on the ground and you stand on it. And if your toes, your big toe and your little toe are just falling off the edge of it, that shoe is probably not designed to give your toes room to work optimally in the shoe. So, so you're talking
1: about standing on top of the laces, right? Like you're like you're crushing the shoe.
3: Um. So take the insole out of the shoe.
1: Yep. Oh, and you put stand it on, on the, the insoles. Yeah. Oh, you're standing on the insole, not the shoe itself. Okay. I'm right, sorry. Right. I mean, okay. you
3: know, the, you can flip over the shoe and stand on that. <laughs> I'm Sure. They
1: would <laughs> sure really treat you kindly at this as you like go on stomping on their brand Just new shoes. Yeah,
3: hitting the shoes okay. on the ground. Yep. Yep. She'll be here okay. all day, folks. <laughs> um. So we look for a wide toe box. We look for a straight shoe. So sometimes shoes are designed so they have this curve in it. Preference is a straight last and a um, zero drop if possible. A lot of shoes are built up with a little bit of a high heel or a 10 millimeter lift to the heel. And that can change what's happening at the big toe. So straight across. My favorite shoes that I have found are ultras they come in a variety of uh, low, medium, high cushion, but ultimately they follow those three rules and you have plenty of room for your toes to spread and move as designed.
2: We'll have to introduce you to Topo because there are preferred and they have very wide toe boxes and all the characteristics you talk about. So oh, I will um, show you my running shoes sometime. Please. So, So on my first visit to you, you suggested that the issues that sprung from my bulging disc could have affected the formation of my kind of pre-bunions. And you alluded to that with the woman that you showed on Instagram recently that that um, it seemed like her ankle injury kind of exacerbated her bunion issue. So can you talk us through how kind of that chain of kinetics works?
3: Absolutely. Why,
2: why it makes it something bulge out in your foot because I got bulging discs, you know, or whatever it is. Uh,
3: Yeah. I mean, to keep it simple, in your case, Sarah, there's a potential leg length discrepancy. Mm -hmm. The longer leg will tend to be the the arch of the foot will more collapse to the ground. That moves the Mm -hmm. big toe closer to the little toes because you're taking off from a more flattened or pronated foot position which can exacerbate the bunion, Mm -hmm. then up the chain, it can change the torque or twist of the lower leg bone, the tibia, which can then put more force on the medial joint of the knee and that meniscus, which can then change the rotation of the femur and start (laughs) affecting how the hip glides and slides in the socket which then can change how your sacrum and your SI joint and low back start to have a conversation. And that can affect the joints, the discs, the nerves of the low back. So I am so passionate about this big toe conversation because I (laughs) see this kinetic chain issue all day long and we Mm. bring it back down to the ground and how the toe is aligned, hitting the ground and transferring the weight up through these joints. They are all connected and all having a conversation together. And so it can really make or break that chain. Mm. Mm.
2: I like you saying having a conversation because it it does it because it's so easy to see our body as just like separate islands. There's my feet, there's my knees, and and to think that they're all communicating and that when one of them is having a bad day, it kind of <laughs> ripples up and, and sullies the entire conversation and and it and for me it goes on for too long. So wow, all right,
3: absolutely.
1: Uh, switching topics a tiny bit. Um, one woman on our Facebook page confessed she thought what was a bunion was actually arthritis. So how can folks tell the difference or are they related or can you kind of talk about that relationship?
3: Yeah. Arthritis is uh, kind of the breakdown or wear and tear of the articular cartilage within the toe joint. And that can create different angles of the joint. Oftentimes, yes, that bunion or that angle of that hallux valgus, we call it, will, um, be exacerbated. Just because she has arthritis um, doesn't mean that I I would treat it similarly in terms of trying to offload the part of that joint that is breaking down. Let's offload and share some of that load by getting that joint in a better alignment. Um, But when you have arthritis, it can exacerbate the breakdown of the joint leading to the stronger angle they see. And here's where if orthotics and taping and toe spacers and all the manual work can't help, that's when we start thinking about surgical intervention for help. But primarily, people just want to get out of pain. So we're going to try to do everything we can to help that joint be supported and well aligned, even if arthritis is in the picture. Okay. Mm -hmm.
1: Well, Mm -hmm. and if if Mm. your bunions don't hurt, I meant to ask this earlier, if your bunions don't hurt. Anymore, like then just let them be. I mean, I obviously work on the toe mobility and the stuff that we talked about, but like me wearing shoes anymore is not an issue. Like you know, like when it first hurt. No, oh, that's wonderful.
3: But remember the yeah. whole conversation up and down that leg. Of course, is yes, that, yes, yes, yeah, yeah, yes. But I'm glad it doesn't hurt. That's <laughs> that's a win-win.
1: That is a win. But yes, I. You saying that, and yeah, the conversation, the, the kinetic chain conversation is super helpful.
2: So Amy, you mentioned a couple foot accessories there, you know, the insoles or orthotics, the the taping, that thing. So we got some questions about that on our Facebook page, including, uh, this is not an accessory, this is the opposite of it, going barefoot. Is that a good thing or a bad thing? Because I definitely have avoided it for a number of years because of two bouts of plantar fasciitis.
3: Mm. Yeah, if you can tolerate barefoot walking around your home, uh, in your grass, uh, absolutely. It gives the foot a chance to realize the space that it can take up and all the muscles to work. When we stick it in a rigid, unmoving environment, the muscles go to sleep. They're like, cool, you don't need me as much. I'm going to be here. But if you get those toes out in the real world and walk around, you're using more foot intrinsics and more foot and ankle muscles. And arguably more muscles up the chain for your knee and your hip and your back. Mm-hmm. Now, we're designed to walk on warm, warm, gushy ground, right? Not hardwood <laughs> floors per se. And especially as we get older, the calcaneal fat pad, the heel pad gets thinner. Some of our um, tissues get a little bit thinner, so we feel that hardwood floor more. And then, yeah, you can have secondary issues like plantar fasciitis. So, if there's a way uh, using slippers that are minimal, so you've got some padding underneath your feet, but your feet are still able to spread out, would be a nice ideal. Wool socks Mm. that aren't too restrictive to your toes Mm -hmm. can be a nice alternative as well.
1: Okay, so um what about some things that are accessories, like three things that come to mind? Um, you mentioned orthotics or like inserts and also toe spacers. Like, can you kind of run through those three things and when and if they make sense?
0: Mm-hmm.
3: I used correct toes for a long time. So the toe spacers are a good start to getting used to spreading your toes out and getting your toes used to working at a a different angle. Uh, People will bring me the correct toes that were actually made by a local podiatrist here in Portland who I do work with on a regular, really great design. Mm -hmm. Um, But they'll bring me the correct toes and then I will slice and dice them because (laughs) you are they're not created for you yet. It's a, it's a model. So I customize and personalize those correct toes so that they fit comfortably in between the toes. A lot of people say, oh, I tried them and they, they slipped right out or they they irritate my skin. And yes, they can do all of that if they're not uh, carved out for you. So bring okay. in your correct toes. We will make them fit like a glove so that you <laughs> do wear them. But that's only just to get yourself aligned. Um, you have to add the exercises with the correct toes. Otherwise you're just shoving the joint in a position and it's like, meh. Okay. I'm over here now. Sweet. (laughs) That doesn't, you know, help me do anything. So, um, bracing, but strengthening while bracing is optimal. Same thing for orthotics. If I can find a super feet orthotic that works for somebody, over the counter, really quick, uh, great. But I more complex feet and ankles or um, bunion angles need custom fit orthotics, which which can be a little bit more pricey, but can be a game changer. For instance, you know I have one leg longer than the other. I had a little bit of that collapsing of that arch, and I just worked with a local PT to get custom fit orthotics that accounted for the leg length discrepancy and supported the toes and. You know, running pain free for years and years and years. Hmm. I mentioned taping, but you can also get a single toe spacer just hmm. between the big toe and the second toe. And that can be really helpful. But again, add the the smartness and the strength to the system, and you won't need those toe spacers for life. It's just a temporary guide for your brain to figure out where should my toes optimally live.
2: I got the sense on the Facebook thread that people are wearing those, the spacer that's just between the big toe and the second toe. I got the sense that people are wearing those in the running shoes while they run. Is that is that your the, sense they, too? They
3: can depending on um, the angle of that bunion or the migration of the big toe. Mm-hmm. I find that taping, if you can, I can teach you how to tape your toe and there's just less bulk in the shoe. Mm-hmm. But again, I think People are given the toe spacers, they're like, this is the solution, but they have to go to like chapter two, which is get <laughs> your 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 body strong enough to pull your toe back into alignment and then you just own that new big toe. You don't have to mess with any other accessories. You're good.
2: (laughs) I want to own my big toe. That's my my goal with you, Amy. I want to own my big toe. Oh, yeah, we got this renting my big toe thing. (laughs) I am am, am on a path to owning it. Um, Yeah, man, it's borrowed time. (laughs) Right, right. Sometimes it feels that way. Um, So you mentioned already looser socks and somebody on our face Facebook page talked about that, that she wears looser fitting socks and laces her running shoes differently. So, what are your thoughts on on those options? Is nice. Mm-hmm. I
3: like her intuitive problem solving. <laughs> She's like, well, we're just going to be wearing big floppy socks all over the house. That's great. Um, yeah, you know, it's simple. If you compress all the toes, they're going to get more crowded, and you know, bunions love a crowded situation. Um, <laughs> but with the the lacing of the shoes, if you if you don't tighten where the toe box and you leave that a little bit looser in the laces, and then you tighten, uh, make it tighter up towards your ankle. That'll Mm -hmm. give the toe box more room to spread out so that your toes have more room to work. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Mm -hmm.
2: Right on, right on. So is there anything bunion related? you think that we haven't covered?
3: Hmm the big (laughs) (laughs) open-ended. I I read an article when I was a new grad after seeing a patient with uh, fresh from a bunionectomy surgery. And the article was talking about how after surgery, you never place weight on your first toe the same way ever again. Mm. And something like 60 to 70% of post-surgical cases and this just blew my mind to think that you will forever not be able to get that toe down and strong which plays its role up the kinetic chain. So the fact that you know the compressive forces on the foot when you're standing the rear foot has most of it 60% but the forefoot the toes of 20% and you have to lever through that big toe to run. So I'm just a strong proponent of catching the bunion before it uh, gets worse. You know, mm-hmm. that pencil test and uh, trusting the PT journey a little bit to help you realign and optimize where that big toe is in your shoe so that mm. you can run and not have hip knee back issues. Mm-hmm.
2: And do you think, I, I mean, I, I I think you are a, a wonder physical therapist, and but do you think that there's physical therapists across the country that also have this in kind of seems to me an enlightened version of the ability to turn back the clock on bunions and other kind of, you know, hammer toes and bunionettes and all those things? I mean, do you think people who are listening are going to be able to find someone who can work with them on this?
3: Mm, that's such a good question. I worried about that. Um, <laughs> I, since having such an innate... Uh, relationship with the foot as a dancer. Honestly, Mm -hmm. there are some amazing dance-based physical therapists all over the country. They're the PTs that are going to know all about feet. We have unique tips and tricks and exercises that you are not going to find in your average toolbox for uh, physical therapy. Mm -hmm. So if you're looking for somebody just a little bit more skilled on the foot and ankle... Mm -hmm uh dance dance physical therapist mm-hmm. for that's a, sure that's a great suggestion
2: good all right amy well i look forward to my next visit with you and, and, and th- <laughs> <laughs> thank you for talking with us about this super sexy topic
3: absolutely it was my pleasure you guys are fun thanks so much amy <laughs> Dimity,
2: yeah. what, what, are you, what are you and your bunion thinking? Oh, that I need to do more toe
1: exercises, which is, I totally agree with it. It's just, it's like another thing to add to the list, right? Along with oh, like my mobilizing my back and opening up my thoracic spine and, you know, foam rolling my adductors. And I mean, and I get it. I get it. But that, that's what happens. That's the beauty of having a body that is still working pretty well, and you want to continue to have it work well. I mean, I, you know, mm-hmm. it's just uh, it's the price of admission these days, right?
2: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. The laundry list just gets longer yeah, and longer. Yeah,
1: but I'm all, I'm already like, oh gosh, I want to go get. Uh, I mean, the Thayer band, like she gave a very good description of how to do that second exercise, and I'm like, oh, I want to go try it and see what happens. Mm-hmm. It's like, good. <laughs> I know, I know, I can't and wait to I try it. it on the list. <laughs> yeah, but she is super. Yeah, I totally agree with you. She is very. Um, And I love that she comes out of a different way, you know, I mean, I think every physical therapist has a strength and, you know, hers is uh, obviously Mm -hmm. foot driven. And that's
2: very important. And like, like she said, kind of rare. Hmm. Hmm. I gotta say, I—I I mean, I've only seen her twice, and the—the the improvement that I have had is so marked. I mean, it—it's wow. just—I feel so fortunate to have landed in her hands. So, yeah. Nice. Well, so what are your assignments? Do you have to do a lot of uh, toe? toe uh, work? So far, so I went to see her specifically to talk about bunions, so that I'd sort of know where she was coming from. And because my back is so overwhelming to my everyday life, I'm like, okay, before we get to my feet, I just here's the deal with yeah. my back and and she just immediately started working on things. And, and so, but because of the kinetic chain, we are getting down to my feet. So um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, Oh, all right. Well, calling all AMR cheerleaders. We are so excited to once again expand our brand ambassador program. And if you listen to this podcast on the reg, you've probably heard numerous conversations with our BAM ambassadors, as we call them, our badass mother runner ambassadors who don't necessarily have to be moms. They help us promote and spread the word of our beloved community. They do things like posting about AMR assets like podcasts and programs and merchandise, and also our partners on social media. They moderate the Train Like a Mother Facebook training groups. They work on AMR booth at a race expo, test gear for reviews, and so much more. We are accepting applications until June 12. If you want to fill these shoes, please fill out the application, and this link will be in the show notes. It is anothermotherrunner.com slash ambassador hyphen application and like i said there'll be a link to that page in the show notes our podcast today was produced in saint paul minnesota by barry mador from fire on the bluff oh my gosh (laughs) oh my gosh daphne was telling me yesterday you know she adores the cats and she was like mom you have to talk to them while i'm at school you can't just pet them a little bit you have to t- you have to talk to them and you have to sing to them so she's si- she's singing to the cats right she's making up this song so i start making up a song she goes no mom that's not the right song no of course not of course not <laughs> i'm just like well he seemed to like it just fine <laughs> <laughs> so so anyway so once she left the house i i sang to the cats and- I let her know what she got over from school. They seem to like my singing just fine.